Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest, you've probably heard of him before. If not, you should have. His name's Mark Kenny. Thanks for being on the show, Mark. Whitney, a pleasure to be on the show for sure. Yeah, always an honor to get to connect with you, Mark. I've enjoyed getting to know you a little bit over different events and, and seeing you in lots of different places and just the work you all are doing and helping so many people to get started in this industry. It's difficult, right? It's difficult to get started. And, and we just appreciate you know what you're doing for so many. But a little about Mark, and if you've probably heard of him before. If you haven't, you should go back and listen to show WS22 way back when. Uh, <laughs> but he was, uh, he was a guest then, and you'll learn more about him there as well. But he's a seasoned real estate investor, entrepreneur. He's a founder of Think Multifamily, which you should definitely look up. Started his real estate career over 20 years ago and has extensive experience in property valuation, acquisition, and operations. He's invested in over 3,500 units, has a top-notch reputation among the multifamily investment community, leveraging his vast IT experience to bring new creative technologies that will help others in the multifamily space. Well, Mark, you know, welcome again to the show. We're happy to have you back just with your experience that you've accumulated over so many years. And uh, happy to have you here. Tell the listeners a little more about you know your focus now since it's been a little while since we've yeah. had you on the show. And then we're going to dive into this topic of getting started in the syndication business because you're obviously an expert in that field. Yeah, I don't remember the date of show 22 necessarily. I know you're over 300 now. But you know our focus has been similar, still acquiring assets ourselves. The coaching piece is something we started about 18 months ago. So it probably would have been in its infancy when we first chatted the first time on your podcast, that's been a major focus for us is really trying to help other people do what we've done if they want to and not necessarily start small. They can if they want to. There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people start there, but most people who start small would say, man, I wish I would have started bigger. So, you know, we did uh, 20 deals our first year. It was 180 million and small steel anyone did was 90 doors. So a good first deal for sure. And we've been blowing and going this year as well. So it's a mindset, but it's also realizing that it's extremely difficult to go buy a hundred unit on your own if you don't have a track record. Awesome. Yeah, that track record, it's hard to come by, right? It takes a lot of time. And I know you're going to elaborate on that and help us to understand how to get there. But, you know, to back up just a little bit, I know you said, you know, you don't have to start small. And that, that's really hard to get over that. And that's a big hurdle. And I know when I got started, I'd never imagined being able to buy a hundred unit apartment building. It wasn't even a thought. Like, I, it didn't even cross my mind that that was even an option. And if it did, it would have been, well, maybe 20 years from right. now or, you know. And so when I started learning about the syndication models, like, wait a minute. You know, I think I can do this. And so it was, it was a big mindset change. So, but let's back up to, you know, you said that, you know, most will say they wish they had started bigger and creating that, changing that mindset. What's the biggest hurdle there and how do you help people get around that? Uh, You know, so we started small and I didn't know what syndication was. So I started, I bought my first deal about 26 years ago and didn't know what syndication was at all. And reality is when people start saying, oh my gosh, you know, a hundred units, they need to realize that they're not doing it on their own. I mean, you can, but most people can't starting out. So if someone looks at it and says, it's a hundred doors, how do I possibly do that? And the reality is, well, you partner with somebody that's done it before, but you have to add value. So we talk to people on a regular basis and 
people say, hey, I listen to podcasts, it's great. I read books and go to events, but there's nothing like doing a deal. And people, they think they know more than they know. And I'm not trying to be, you know, mean about it. But I use the example of, you know, boxing, UFC, things like that. If someone reads a book, how to fight for two years of reading books and someone else is in the ring fighting for two years, I'm pretty confident I know what's going to happen if they both get in the ring together. It's reality. It's totally different. They're taking to the extreme. So getting in and doing a deal, everyone that in our group has done a deal is like, man, there was more to that than I thought, even though they're educated up front and things like that, but things come up. But other people will say, well, I've read a lot, I've done all this stuff, and I have a lot of time. And again, time in my mind is useless because if you don't have something of value, most people don't want to spend time just because you have time with you. You know, you have to give something back to somebody and you need to go through the effort and skill set, you know, is something that you have to develop. But reality is you don't have to go through every single step on your own. You need to find maybe that one thing that you're naturally born with, or if you have capital, that's a pretty easy way to get involved in the deal, but a lot of people don't. But there are a lot of other ways to get involved in deals with people that don't have capital. So let's discuss a few of those things. I know it's a big topic and most people, if they're trying to get into this business, I would say a large portion of them, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, don't have the capital, you know, don't have a hundred thousand that they can invest in one of these deals to contribute in that way. You know, let's lay out a few ways that somebody can really you know, take some actionable steps or figure out some kind of way that they can seriously add value to somebody that will take them under their wing. Yeah. I mean, there are multiple ways to get involved. If you look at it and, and say, well, if someone has money, it's easy. They can put earnest money down for somebody or they can sign the loan for net worth, liquidity. If someone has no money, you know, to really get started, then they can still do other things like they could raise capital. And some people that, that freaks them out. Um, I was petrified of doing it originally. I really was. Didn't want to do it. You know, didn't really ask my dad for money. Like I think twice my entire life, like asking him for money. I didn't want to ask other people for money. And you have to kind of mind shift a little bit and say, well, you're not really trying to get money from somebody. You really are providing an opportunity. In most cases, people don't even know they can do it. Now, some people won't invest no matter what. Other people you might talk to for two years before they invest. And some people might invest pretty much right away. Just It's going to vary, but you, you can't take it personally because at the end of the day, you're providing an opportunity better than almost any other opportunity out there that they're investing in today. And they can make a decision to do that or not. So one, get really good at raising capital from other people. The other one is analyzing deals. So if someone comes to us and they'll say, well, you know, I'm an engineer, I'm an accountant or whatever it may be. Generally speaking, people that are like that, you know, IT professionals, they're going to be good at analyzing deals. It's a balance. Sometimes they're, they're too conservative, frankly. In reality, they'll never buy anything, right? So you need someone actually to kind of hone in on that and say, okay, well, here's some things you need to look at. But you can get really good at analyzing deals. You're not going to get really good at analyzing deals by doing five or 10 deals, analyzing them. You're going to have to analyze a lot of deals to get good at it. And it's not just the mechanical piece of it. You need to know what to look for. And that's where the trick comes and, and what looks out of whack even as a past investor, you should understand those things, you know, what makes a deal on paper look good or not. So you could raise capital, you can analyze deals, and you can find deals. Finding deals is trickier. Now, people say, oh, I get emails for deals and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, you can get anyone's email list, all the big brokerage firms, and get deals every single day sent to me. But I'm not going to waste my time on those. So I'd much rather build those relationships. And if you're new, brokers typically they're not going to promote you to a seller. 
And the seller is not going to want to sell to you if you have no experience. We've sold properties, right? And there's no way I would ever sell property to a first-time buyer. I just wouldn't do it. I would actually accept a lower offer on a deal to get somebody that's credible. So building those relationships. Now, if you don't have those relationships, you need to leverage somebody else's track record. So people in our group, we call our group, you know, it's a family syndication group, which you can provide value in all these different ways. Half a dozen ways you can get involved in a deal. You don't have to do it all on your own, but they can leverage our track record. They get our broker contacts. They can call them, tell them they're working with us. And if it's an area that we're not familiar with, we have brokers locally that will make introductions to brokers in other states. So we're in five states now or multiple locations, submarkets. But people say, well, I'm, I'm a hustler. I just go call brokers and stuff like that. Or I'm going to go to the seller directly. Yeah, you can do all those things, but I'll be talking to those same people a year later and they won't have a deal. It's just reality. Yeah. You've seen it time and time again now, coaching all these people that you understand that better than most for sure. But gaining that track record, like you're talking about as a seller, you're not going to spend that time with somebody that's never had a deal before. And so I think understanding that as somebody that's getting started, you have no track record. And so how are ways that you get past that? I know we're figuring out ways that we can add value to somebody. And how does that come into gaining that track record so we can get started? Yeah, I mean, the easiest is to partner up with somebody that has a track record. And you can use the statement, you know, partners and I, which is true, partners I own X number of doors. We're in, you know, multiple states, etc. We did like 20 deals last year, and we're going to probably do about the same this year. So that gets the broker's attention. If you say, well, I'm just going to do it on my own, I'm not going to partner with anybody, then you kind of say good luck. I'm not saying it's impossible. It is possible. You're going to want to target brokers in a firm that are new, my opinion. Don't go to the guys that have been around. Don't go to the biggest guy in the firm. He might be nice to you. There's no way he's going to give you a deal. You need to go to the 25-year-old that's eager, just starting out, and they're going to drum up business, and you build that relationship with them. The guy has been around the brokerage firm. It's same with us. We go to you know Atlanta. You know, there's a couple of firms there that reach out to us, and we're on one of the few people that reach out to on all of our market deals. And those big guys, they can do that. They have the deals, you know, they trade there, sell, are never listed. They go to three or four people that they know can close deals. What do you think? And that's how the deals get closed. So I'd say work with the eager young guy in the firm, and you might have an easier time getting a deal that way. Some of the bigger guys won't even respond to you as far as email or phone calls or things like that. Wow. Great information. You're starting with that eager broker that's kind of new new as well. And maybe he doesn't have all the connections to all these experienced buyers yet. So look at the pictures too and some of the things and not to be whatever, but look for the young guy. And uh, that's going to be your best bet if you don't have a track record. Okay. So maybe we're not ready to have that conversation yet, you know, or call that broker or, you know, but maybe we're looking for somebody that we can still add this value to that already has that track record, like we were talking about. How would you advise going about that, Mark, you know, finding that person and really showing that you can add value, you know, because even a lot of experienced syndicators, obviously very busy, right? Calendar's very full. It's hard to take that hour, 30 minute call, maybe with somebody to figure out, okay, is this somebody that has some skills or what's their desires? Is it going to be a good fit? All those things. But how do they find that person? What's your take on that? Yeah, it's, it's hard to do it remotely. It's possible. But I mean, I think, you know, social media and some of the other site, bigger pockets and like that are, are great. But end of the day, you're going to probably have to get it off your butt and go somewhere because it's just that connection face to face. So I mean, you know, Dan Hanford, I love the guy. His remote conference is phenomenal. But at the end of the day, it still doesn't give you that face-to-face directly. But it's an awesome conference. I highly recommend it. I really do. 
So you might have to go to a meetup. You might have to go on a plane and, and go to a, a two-day event. Spend your entire weekend at events. And really, it's like when you're hiring for a job, right? You see a resume and things like that. But if you meet somebody in person and you connect with them, in some cases, it's not just connecting with on the business side. Maybe you have some sort of other connection. You know, you're, we've adopted. You've adopted. Right. So when we had breakfast that time, that was a connection that we had in my mind because it was something unique that we both had done. I have people that will call me literally say, well, I'm a twin, too. So I called you because you're a twin. I'm a, you know, I have an identical twin brother. And I, you went to Michigan State University. Literally, people are like, I never would have called you if you didn't go there. So getting those connection points, not all business. People are like, well, you know, this is someone I might actually give more of a chance to. But when somebody you just call and someone email them, it happens all the time. Hey, I'm I listen to all these podcasts, I've read books, I can be good at analyzing deals, and I want to partner with you and things like that. Like you said, it's, we just don't have time for that. I mean, wish we did, but we don't. We have a coaching program that's different. Some people they look at it as an investment and they get their investment back. Other people look at it like I don't want to pay for that, and that's fine. I mean, it's really a choice people have to make. But at the end of the day, if you look at most people that have been successful, we hire coaches. We, we just hired a coach today, frankly, a new business coach. So, And we've hired coaches in the past, and you pay a lot of money for that. But I look at it and go, it's an investment, and I think that investment is going to pay off 10 times what I'm paying, but it's still a big investment. No doubt about it. I think most, if not uh, the majority of successful entrepreneurs are going to have many coaches, whether it's specifically in business, specifically real estate, whatever that may be. And I can't speak highly enough about having a coach. But so how would somebody stand out to you? Or maybe is there an example of how somebody stood out that, you know, maybe even early on or before you all were doing coaching or or partnering as much, you know, as you all help people now. But how are some ways that somebody stood out to you to get their foot in the door? Yeah. So even before we were doing coaching originally, we would look at partnering with other people. And now we really just partner with people inside our coaching program. But you know Patrick Duffy or no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Patrick was someone we worked with originally, still do work with him. And he stood out to me because one, he was calling brokers. He was getting deals, analyzing deals, which he was really good at. But he also showed initiative and said, you know, he'd fly in his own dime to a location and meet with brokers and meet with property management companies and things like that. So he was like making an investment, a financial investment, as well as a time investment up front. So it's like, you know, we have a guy in our group that he lives in Israel. Like literally he lives in Israel. He comes over a couple times a year and he went to Atlanta and just closed a deal. We could go today, actually, a deal there. And he's been in several other deals, but he went to Atlanta and the brokers there, we gave him the contacts that we have for brokers. And they're like, you came here from Israel? They're like, man, you are serious. And he came over to our event. We had, then he spent, I think it was eight days in Atlanta. And he said, Mark, I'm not leaving Atlanta until I have a deal. Now, he might not have gotten a deal, but he did get one in all seriousness there. And he met broker after broker and toured property after property. So someone that is, I would say, one, they need to recognize what they don't know. Some of the things they know at all is, is not something that's attractive to me. I mean, I just talked to a guy the other day, frankly, that was interested in our coaching program. And he's just not a good fit. Thinks he knows everything already. And he might. Maybe he knows way more than I do. I don't know. But reality is, you need to recognize these are the things I'm good at. These are the things I'm not good at. And you might say, well, hey, you know what? Hey, Whitney, I think I'm really good. You know, I have a finance background. I think I'd be good at analyzing deals. Do you mind if I you know, analyze some deals for you for free? Some people are attracted to that. We don't do that anymore, but that might attract somebody because people don't want to underwrite deals that don't make sense, but they're okay having someone do, do them for free. But initiative and 
someone that actually gets up and says, or they say, hey, I'm going to this event and that event. It, it shows that they're willing to make a financial investment and a time commitment and that they're serious about it. Big difference from showing that investment to just calling or emailing saying, hey, what can I do for you? Or can I add value to you? It's I mean, literally every day, what, what can I help you with? And they might be able to help me with something legitimately, but I don't have the time to sort of figure it out with every, every way and every single person reaches out. Now, if they're like, if someone says, I'm interested in partnering with you, but you know, I don't want to be coached, stuff like that, because I already know everything. It's just not interesting. Yeah. What about the, the best ways to educate ourselves about this business? I know we talked about we're going to try to start by raising capital and we're talking to investors and we're, maybe we're we're scared to start having those conversations or even analyzing deals. Well, you know, it's hard to get started at that. You know, there's so many templates or there's so many different terms that we need to know about and how these things are calculated. And where do we start to really dig in to educate ourselves? Yeah. I mean, there's so much free stuff out there. There really is. But you're probably going to have to pay to go to some events. Some are expensive, some are not expensive. But I think you have to do it. So when someone, I just talked to someone yesterday and they're interested in our deal analysis class. And I told her, she's more of a passive investor. And I said, there's a major difference between you looking at a deal that's already been put together and trying to decipher what is what versus you going through and you analyzing the deal completely from scratch yourself. That's how you learn. Looking at something else that's already happened, like looking at a house. I look at a house and say, well, I, I, this is the way I would build it. No, I mean, I, I couldn't build it anyways, but I can't do that. But if I see them step by step and I help them with the process of building it, now I have an image in my mind and you know, reality of how the house is put together. It's same with the deal. You know, And people in our group right now, we have, it's another kind of piece to it. Even if they're brand new, we had people on our last deal, four extra people come along that really at the time probably couldn't add a lot of value. And that was okay. But they got to see during due diligence, they got to see what's happening with the lender and title. They went through the full process end to end for real. So it's hard because you have to find that person or those people that maybe will allow you to come into a deal with them. But education is just education. But you can get 90% of what we teach off Googling. Might take a long time to do it, but you could do that. But it's really getting involved in a deal if you have something of value. That you only need one thing of value to be involved in a deal. You don't have to be all things to the deal, but that one thing might get your foot in the door. So you need to you need to go through a deal. All of these other resources are awesome, but there's nothing like doing the deal. In order to get in the deal, in my mind, at least for us, you have to have something of value you're bringing. Yeah, I really like the analogy you used earlier. Was it boxing that you talked about? Somebody that's been in the ring or somebody that's read about it? That's right. that's great. That's really good. So, you know, we're going to have to pivot a little bit. Uh, you know, I've enjoyed you just laying out some really good ways that people can get started in this industry and how they can add value to somebody just like yourself or somebody that they're looking to mentor under or coach. Maybe if they're not even a paid coach, there's still ways you can add value like this to for them to become your coach. And so crucial, crucial element to getting going in this business. But what's been the hardest part of this syndication journey for you? You've been doing this for many years now and coaching people, but maybe it was analyzing initially or things like that or, or raising capital. But what's something that was a real big hurdle maybe getting started for you? And then how's that changed? Yeah. So we didn't invent multifamily investing, of course. We have 14 steps. We go through the process. And I see that people struggle with two main things out of the 14. And it's analyzing deals and it's raising capital. So people that aren't good with numbers are fearful of analyzing deals and think they just can't good get good at it, they can. They might not be as good as somebody else, so they can get good at it. That became really easy to me, CPA background and you know finance, things like that. So that part came very easy. But raising capital, I was just terrified. 
of doing. I still get nervous raising money. So we've raised money on, you know, whatever, over 30 deals. But that for me was the biggest hurdle and it was more of a mindset issue. And I'm not a big mindset guy like a lot of the other guys, frankly, I'm not. I'm, not. I'm like, just go out and do it. I don't need someone to tell me or promote me or to motivate me to do stuff. I'm going to do it on my own. And some people need that motivation. But for me, it was more of a mindset of how to talk to investors and to do those things that are uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable talking to people about money and about investment and things like that. Especially, it's, it's actually harder to talk to people you already know, people I had worked with and things like that. So without a question for me, it was it was raising capital. And you probably developed that by getting in the ring. That's right. Right. And just Yeah, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to get questions and you're like, man, I don't know. And then after you do it more and more and more, you start knowing, okay, here are the questions that people are going to ask. Like when we're doing webinars, I usually know all the questions people are going to ask. And you know how to respond to those questions. But I think when you first start out, you're always concerned about, hey, I don't have the money for this deal, so I just need to get it. And then you start doing it, you're like, well, no, I need to focus, really hard focus on what's best for the investor. And in some cases, that could be, this isn't the right deal for you. Well, what's a way that you all have recently improved your business that we can apply to ours? Well, for us, it's the coaching piece. So we have people that come in there and they want to partner with us on deals. That's been the best improvement for us as far as deal flow and, and things like that. It's a big thing though. So the whole education piece or, you know, why doesn't everyone have a podcast, right? A lot of people have them, but why doesn't everybody? Well, it's a lot of work. You do a daily one. I don't want to do a daily podcast. You can do a weekly one, but not daily. It's a big effort. So you need to look at it and say, okay, what am I willing to do? What's the biggest bang for the buck and things like that. But for us, it's really been the, the coaching piece. And it hasn't been just the other piece behind that has been we've developed so many friendships because of that. We just got back from a cruise a few weeks ago. We have people from our group there, the five-day cruise. And it was a lot of fun, You know, very little education. The rest of it was really just kind of hanging out and, and having fun together. So that's been the biggest, you know, if you want to say improvement for us, the coaching for business-wise, but also from a personal perspective. So what's your best advice for caring for investors? Maybe just like one or two things. Two things I would say. One is always put yourself in the investor's shoes. And we, you can ask people. We've taught people out of investing deals. We've taught people into investing less amount in a deal. So always have that perspective. And the second one is when things get tough, which they might get tough on a deal that you're doing, just be transparent. Don't try to hide anything. Don't try to sugarcoat things, things like that. Just be transparent with them. Awesome. And then how do you all like to give back? For us, I mean, the coaching is giving back. Of course, people do pay us for that, but we don't have to coach. We can make a very good living just by buying deals. So we don't have to do that. It's a big, big time commitment <laughs> doing the coaching and events. And then outside of that, we support orphanages and the sex traffic industry are the two main areas that we support. And we have multiple ministries in that. We have friends that are ministries that just started an orphanage and we were able to help them get that started. And we have people local in Dallas that have a sex traffic organization and things like that. So in my mind, those are the two big areas that we are always attracted to. Thanks for sharing that. I'd love to know more about the orphanage stuff as well, personally. Thank you very much, Mark, for sharing this. I know you're an expert in helping people get started in this business. Tell people how they can get in touch with you, learn more about you. And I know you have some events coming up that they need to know about as well. We do. So easiest get a hold of me is my email, mark, M-A-R-K, at thinkmultifamily.com. We do have events. We have a fire summit. We talk you through about how to get started and you get to network with a bunch of people. That's in Dallas. It's on our website, which is just thinkmultifamily.com under events. 
And we also have a deal analysis class where you bring your computer, we work through deals together. There's no fluff. There's nothing. There's no rah, rah, rah motivation. It is, it's a grind. It really is. So be prepared if you sign up for that one to work through deals and it's a little intense, but we do that one as well. Nice. Awesome. Thank you again, Mark. I appreciate your time and sharing your experience and expertise and I look forward to having you back on the show. Thanks, Whitney. Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.